welcome on the island. Week number 11, this is extortion. It's not, it's just me, Taylor Gaines. I'm here for another special episode that we'll get to in just a minute, but first I should introduce my co-host. He's going to stop in and say hi. He knows extortion is illegal in the States. He doesn't know why it's not illegal in Fiji. It's Tyler B. Commons. Fiji is wild, man. It's just a wild place. Um, I was laughing as you were doing that intro. Because thank you, you thank you, thank you. <laughs> you're just a stand-up comic. Do you remember <laughs> like a few years ago when I used to like pretend to sing the Survivor song? I'd be like, oh, 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 like at the beginning of almost every podcast. There's people that wouldn't know what that is. That's like, crazy. That's a really good thought. That haven't heard that song, and that's like that's just crazy. Especially because like this season's so good. There's probably people that can now be convinced to come and watch it, and like they've never heard that intro song. Any I guess of we versions should, of it. We should probably go ahead and do the whole thing for them then. Um, good. Oh, 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 it's a little raspy. It's a little raspy over here. Yeah, go look it up. I don't know if they still upload the title sequence every season like they used to, but it's worth a listen. Even in a season where they've been stepping up the music to the 11th degree, you know, it's it's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. How's your week, Ty? It's been... Uh, it's been one week good. since you talked to me. <laughs> Five days. Um, it's been a while. <laughs> the, the, we're not... This is a music podcast now. <laughs> I was going to say, is this the improvised musical podcast, like, part two? Only just not nearly as good as what Without Jess, Jess McKenna. <laughs> yeah, like, we're just aspiring to be Jess. Honestly, We're also not improvising, topic. we're just calling back to songs that already exist. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Um, my week is, was really good. Um, really good? Wow. Anyone else's sleep schedule is very much off like mine is where it's like yeah 1 a 1 a.m you get in bed you watch youtube till 1 45 and then you get up at 10 30 or 11 the next day i don't know if anyone else is like that but i had to wake up at like 7 a.m and my body just was saying no all day i woke up and i went and volunteered for four hours and I, wow. I just couldn't do anything. I was standing there. People tried, like, joking and talking to me. And I I think I maybe said ten words the whole time. It was bad. So I quarantine like jerk. has broken Tyler B. Cummins. I, yeah, more or less. But it was, it was okay. But I am good. <laughs> Longest <laughs> answer ever. I am good. No, that's that's good to hear. Another thrilling episode of Winners at War... I guess I should mention the fact that this week's episode, we are following up with a sequel to last week by bringing both of my parents on. Rather than doing the jam-packed ep we wanted to do last week, we split it up to talk about two different episodes, and they are here to talk about everything that happened in this Tony-filled episode. But I wanted to check in with my good friend and favorite guest, Tyler B. Commons, to see... (laughs) How he felt about this week's episode. I think uh, I'm buying into some editing here, but the Tony Sarah thing is looking really good right now. 
I don't, I'm not buying into that she's actually mad at him next week because I think they are each other's number one. And to get an entire episode dedicated to Tony, it is A, incredible. <laughs> because the guy is insane, but he's not been insane. But next week he's going to be insane again. It, it was a super awesome episode to watch. The thing that I don't fully understand is Tony was going to vote Jeremy out. That was the vote last week. And then you go to 10 minutes before tribal this week and he's like, no, Jeremy, I want to save you. I want to save you. I want to save you. Bye, Sophie. And that was a little confusing to me. Maybe it, that's me as someone trying to analyze it or just as a viewer. I, you I don't can't analyze Tony. Down. You, you can't analyze Tony, you know? Yeah, it's the just, only thing is Sophie and Sarah were getting too close, I guess. I don't know, but it was it was cool. It, see, I have to Tony. wonder if we were missing... We do talk about this a little bit in the episode, but I have to wonder if we were missing a conversation about Sophie's leadership last week when she stepped up and was like, hey, crew, here's what we're doing, mm-hmm. and whether that left more of an impression on people than we're led to believe. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, it's twofold where... On one hand, everyone was with her except Tony, essentially, in her alliance. And on the other hand, Tony just made a move. So, like, it is what it is. Yeah, he definitely he definitely went out there, and I, I just have to give him props for seeing a direction he wanted to go and going that way. And I don't think putting a big target on his back, but we don't know. We'll but see. It it's like you said with really the Sarah exciting. thing. We'll see how this... They've been editing this Sarah thing the whole season. I'm interested to see what happens. We'll talk a little bit more about it. I think the one thing I meant to fact check from this episode is we were sort of blindly guessing how many seasons Tony and Sarah have played together. The answer is two. Kagayan and Game Changers. Tony won Kagayan. Sarah won Game Changers. So, so far, every time they've played together, one of them's won. We'll see what happens this season Ty, anything else you want to make sure you get in before uh, I throw to me and my parents? Just the importance of eating carrots. (laughs) That's it? That's it. Cool. Eat your carrots. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being here, Ty. Thank you for listening, everyone. A lot more to come in this episode. It's me with my father, Ken, and my mother, Donna, talking about the season and especially this episode of survivor all right we're back with my family to take the crown back from the commons family and put it where it rightfully belongs in the Gaines household i'm here with my mom and my dad hello hi united for the first time on the podcast to talk about Survivor Season 40, Winners at War. They are giving thanks to all the players who've ever played before by bringing their whole families onto the show. And now we've brought our whole families onto the show over the last two weeks. Only a few more to go, but we have a lot to talk about here in episode number 11. I've been with you guys for the entire season, but uh, how do you feel about it? I think it's really good. I've enjoyed it. There you have it, Mom. <laughs> I, I'm loving this season. I love having all the winners um, playing each other, and I think it's very hard 
to figure out which way each episode's going to go. I agree. How do you feel about whether that's a good thing or not? Like, is it good that you don't know where it's going to go, or do you wish you knew more where it was going to go? I think the editing has made it so it's a good thing, because sometimes we can decide on the edit what's going to happen, and I don't think we've been able to figure it out at all this season. And I think the different strategies of each player has made it a pretty dynamic game so far. I think because of the way they record the show, like while you guys are reviewing last season, they were already out doing this one. But the complaints that you've been making over the last couple of seasons, you can tell, I think, that they're thinking about that and they're incorporating those changes in. Because if they don't, the show's not going to survive. And they obviously listen to our podcast. They must. So... Who have been some standout players for you guys? Who have you liked out of this group of winners? Obviously, there's some you probably remember, some you don't, but who have you been pulling for in the back half of the season? I'd have to say I do remember most of these winners. Going in, I was pulling for probably the, a lot of the old school players who obviously are all at the edge right now. Right now, I'm liking the way Denise is playing. She had one big move, was a little bit of a target after that move, but she's been under the radar again the past few weeks. Um, I thought Sophie was doing a good job. Yeah, same Um, here, unfortunately. And I like the way Sarah's playing. I think she's doing a good job with her social game. Hasn't made any moves that have gotten everybody's eyes on her yet, even though her name has come up a couple times. I like Parvati, even though she's already on the Extinction Island. I like um, Jeremy. I kind of root for him. The rest of them, I'm really just kind of not yeah. really... Yeah, I just... Uh, it's, it's. I found it really hard to pick one person to root for because these people have all been you know, on before. There are some that it's easy to root against, but... (laughs) Well, you can tell me whether you are pro or anti-Tony or not, but he's famously someone who a lot of people like to root against, I think, because he's so chaotic. And this week was fully the Tony show. From beginning to end, we were reading earlier that He apparently set a record for confessionals in an episode with 18, which in a 42-minute episode is a hell of a lot of confessionals, especially considering that uh, Sophie went home and I don't know that she had more than one. So starting with the big picture, do you feel Tony all of a sudden is a favorite to win after playing so patiently and quietly the whole season and now has his coming out party and here in episode 11? I think he has done a good job of being patient and waiting all these weeks to make some moves. I think he had so much energy bottled up from doing that that we really saw it all come out in this episode. episode. And I think from the previews that he might be targeted a little bit more next week. But he definitely did show with his um, search for the idol, his second immunity win in a row, his advantage that he got from the edge that he decided to connive everybody into getting fire tokens so he could not be extorted that he really had a lot of good moves in one episode 
to start building a resume after being patient for so many weeks. It's really interesting talking about what comes next because they've been not so subtly building up a fissure in the relationship between him and Sarah throughout the year where they started off doing cop buddy alliance and now have slowly been growing more apart and more like worried about what the other person's going to do. And we saw in the preview that Sarah was obviously not happy with him turning on the entire alliance to do his own blind side. So you have to wonder whether it's going to be one of those incredible single episode moves that winds up backfiring or whether he'll be able to rein it in. I think we saw a hint of that with the fashion show versus the spy nest this week. And I think it's going to come out next week that, like I said, Sarah's trying to play a subtle social game right now. And his big blindside move might hurt him next week. We've talked a lot in the household about the ways this season has been different from a production standpoint with the cinematography and the music and the editing and just how much they are trying to make it feel like a Marvel movie of Survivor castaways. And that fashion show thing even was something I've never seen them do before in quite that way, (laughs) where the music was like different and weird and the camera was dramatic and the players were all acting like they were on a runway. But it was also operating on a different track at the same time about like the dynamics of the tribe and how Sarah was trying to keep everyone from being strategic and Tony wanted the game to start. It was like a really fascinating presentation of that tribe dynamic. But how many times do you think they do something like that to cure their boredom that we never see? I can only imagine constantly. (laughs) I actually wish the show showed more of that stuff because it's cool. Like it makes you relate to the people a lot more. And have find people to root for because you can see like something real about the way that they interact with each other on a day-to-day basis, which is sort of why like I found myself brushing up against Ben a lot this year because when they show the way he talks to people, he kind of just seems like a jerk. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm sure we can talk about him later because he had some moments in this episode too, but there's uh, you know, a lot of big alpha personalities out there. And the whole fashion show thing really showed Sarah in a light that I never really pictured her being that way. Tough cop, you know, I didn't... It it was strange. It is never not strange to watch someone on TV be, like, overly complimentary about themselves when she was just like, well, you know, everyone thinks of me as smart and athletic and pretty and... (laughs) (laughs) Not that she isn't any of those things, but it was just... It's always funny to hear someone sort of refer to themselves in the third person like that so there's a lot of tony stuff to talk about but the episode started with the classic alpha male thing of jeremy and ben just accusing each other of being a bigger threat (laughs) well they got back from tribal council what did you make of everyone's reaction to jeremy leaving in the previous episode and everyone being sort of reticent to fill him in on what happened at first. Well, do you blame him for leaving when no one talked to him during the day and he had an advantage in his pocket? And he was obviously right. Right. They they were going to vote him out. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why they would, if they were in that position, they would have done the same thing. And, you know, if we jump ahead, Sophie was kicking herself, going home with an idol in her pocket. 
Um, and Ben even told, told him, yep, we were gunning for you. So that just solidified that Jeremy made the right decision. But why they wouldn't tell him what happened, I don't know that I followed that. I think they wound up telling him what happened. Yeah. It just seemed like at first when they got back, they were all so mad that they didn't get the person they wanted that they were like, we're not going to tell you. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, even spoiler for the end of this episode, like you said, he made it through another one. So obviously it wasn't just a short term move to save himself. It got him through two episodes. Yep. And they cut pretty quickly from that to Tony searching for an idol in the dark. I, I was curious. I guess I've thought this before, but. Are they operating by like moonlight, or is like the camera shining dark. enough of a light that they can see? No, it's um, they're in the dark. The camera is using uh, night vision to film them. I thought. I assume. And like, I thought that was like early morning before well, everyone got I, up because Nick caught him. And by the end of it, it was the sun was up. Okay. Yeah. I just have always wondered how the how well the human eye can adjust to total darkness on an island like that. I guess pretty well. Mm-hmm. Or it needs a little light, night. and if there's moon, if there's moonlight, that helps. Anyway, point being, he finds the idol, and is very proud of himself for patiently waiting for most of the season before he starts doing his Tony things. And detouring Nick the other way, saying, "I haven't gone here yet. You go to the water well and yeah. go this way." <laughs> Sending him to a place he had already been, which was smart, and that began the Tony episode really where he proceeded to also buy his way of an extortion advantage, win an immunity challenge, and orchestrate a blindside essentially on his own to take out Sophie. So we can talk about the specific pieces of it, but how have your thoughts on Tony evolved over the years and throughout this season? I've always thought Tony was entertaining. Um, I think, like I said before, this season he started out slow, and wisely so. And now he just can't help himself anymore. <laughs> now he's... I mean, what did you say? We have three weeks left? I believe the finale is May 13th. So... So, yeah. to the end. How many people are left? Eight. Plus, plus one someone's coming back. Coming back. <laughs> so... So I think it's time that they all start thinking about it. But he doesn't seem to be fooling Kim. Because Kim realized that he was playing double agent right from the beginning, and I don't think she was able to convince everyone of that. And the foreshadowing for next week is interesting, because they show him climbing up in the tree, and then they show her talking. And I'm thinking, I hope he can't... I hope that isn't what it appears to be. Yeah, I hope it's not. That would be interesting. Yeah. I don't like him. (laughs) So, I like Kim, and I like uh, Sarah, too. Wait, so why don't you like Tony? He just is the stereotypical kind of guy that I would not get along well with. <laughs> he, like, is so physically chaotic and crazy, too. Even when he finds that extortion thing and is, like, running through the woods and falls down to try to see what the advantage is in his bag, it just is so funny to watch. And he was all excited about it until he realized it was oh, against him. That was him classic. And decided he... that would be illegal in Fiji to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's another point about him is, is he comes across to me as, and this is going to sound bad or wrong, but he, a smart, dumb guy. He's smart because he can call off laws and things that he remembers from his job, but then he just, he just sounds dumb sometimes to me. That's all. Hey, he's a winner. 
Yeah, he's he won. holding his own among the winners. They like him. And they like him. Who cares if I like him? He knows that extortion is illegal in the United States, but not in Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a fascinating play on. I, I think we haven't talked explicitly about your views on Edge of Extinction when it factors into this season, but like they really have made it such an integral part of the game, and all the players are so famous and powerful that it's just really fun to watch things get thrown at people, even if they're kind of nonsensical twists in the context of a normal Survivor season. And Natalie and Parvati finding the clue under the bed at Edge and sending it to him to extort him, for those who didn't understand, by the way, was their demand to get six fire tokens from him or else he would have been fully blocked from participating in the immunity challenge and devoting at Tribal. And I found that to be a really fun wrinkle to the game and like testing how much your alliances are with you and how much they'll give up in order to help you that, I ha- that they obviously haven't done before. I think we don't even truly know the value of the fire tokens yet. We get little blurbs here and there of what they can buy. You know, to Tyson, it was important just to get that jar of peanut butter and use his tokens right away when he got to Edge. Natalie, at this point, I don't even remember how many she has, but... I can't imagine. Even assuming her and poverty split the six, she's got a good amount. And what are they going to do for the Edge survivors? Are they going to be able to buy an advantage like Rob did to the, get back in the challenge? I assume, or yeah. Is someone going to literally be able to buy their way back in the game? Oof. And that's got to be next week, right? I don't know. They haven't teased it yet, but you would think it'll be this week or next unless they want a repeat of the Chris Underwood season where <laughs> he comes in in like the last episode and wins. But... With this group, I feel like people would be less bitter anyway. I think that's why the Edge is working more this season. Because if it was a bunch of people you didn't get to know sitting there and you're just watching them be grumpy and climb a mountain to get wood, there wouldn't be a connection. But when you have a connection with all these people and you see, you know, way back a few weeks ago, Ethan doing that wood challenge, you had a connection, you know what he's been through. We have like personal relationships with these people essentially because they've been around so long like watching ethan go through that is not like watching someone you've watched for a couple hours for a few weeks seen a few minutes yeah it's don't really know it's someone you have like a years long relationship in some ways with because he's just been a part of survivor lore and mythos for so long and i do think that's really why it's worked even if i i'm I don't know if I would even make an argument that it's worked on a gameplay level, but it's worked on a storytelling level, for sure. So that was pretty much all we got from Edge this week, other than the fantastic moment of Tyson talking to Wendell about how getting voted out of the game could break you and make you not the same mentally for a long time, and then cutting to Wendell's face and him just seeming like he'd never encountered sadness before in the way that he reacted. He was like, huh? <laughs> and Wendell's one, this is only his second time playing, right? Right. So he's he doesn't know loss like some of them do. Um, but yeah, and then he automatically said, like, Adam's not going to be able to handle it. Yeah. Um, Adam, we'll wow. See. We've, had, we've barely even talked about the... I mean, we talked about it on the podcast, but... 
him going to pull the thing out of Jeff's lectern or whatever was just... <laughs> that was great. Just legendary. And again, can you blame him? If he's about to go home, why not try what you think might be the possibility of an idol, especially when it looked exactly like the one Denise found? I agree. His only appearance in the show this week was the staring at the sail like he was going to raise it, right? Yeah. He was collecting firewood, too, at one point. Oh, that's right. He had the little, little bits of twigs and things he was carrying. When they were trying to get them all out of the bed so they can go under the bed and get the... Yeah, I felt like I would have just told them about the clue, have them all go read the clue, and maybe they'll all start searching the island right away, unless someone figures it out really fast. But they got it. They got it done. Parvati did her usual distracting and pulling people away. And uh, then we went back to the game action where Tony was obviously directly affected, went around, asked Michelle for some fire tokens. He needed six and had three. She told him that she had spent all of hers on an advantage once you get to Edge, which was a lie because she spent hers on the 50-50 advantage. Which, from my understanding, means at some point she can flip it, and if it lands on yes, she'll get an idol, and if not, she won't. <laughs> Which I is almost found scary. that kind of a lie a little hard to believe. Like, why would you spend your money thinking I'm going to get voted out, and yeah. then I'll need an advantage? It doesn't really make sense. I could see if she had made up some other advantage she bought and hadn't used yet. At the same time, though, I also could see Tony buying that, because if you... We're making up a lie. I'm being extorted for fire tokens or I won't be able to participate in the next tribal. Sounds more extreme than that. So, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. We ended up convincing Ben, Jeremy, and Nick. Right. Each out of a token. Which is interesting because they're not all in his main alliance. Especially Jeremy, who in the end was for the move that Tony decided to make. But... Nick and Ben, it didn't seem like hard work, in theory, and wasn't hard to get Jeremy in the end. So does that hurt him if he makes it all the way to Final Tribal, or does that help him? In other words... Tony? Yeah, if he doesn't pay those guys back, the three tokens that he borrowed... Um, Which whoa. we did not see if he used those two tokens right. he got to pay two of the Because when he back. won immunity, he immediately got two back. Who the two were who got it is interesting to think about. I don't know how much fire tokens are going to play a factor in winner arguments, essentially. I guess it depends on what they are building to, because, like you speculated, maybe it's building to buying your way into the game or something bigger, or maybe this is all they ever are. I, I don't know. You would think they have something else in mind, but I do find it far-fetched sounding to be like, he doesn't deserve to win because I gave him a fire token. But he convinced them to give him a fire token, so there's his outwit. Yeah, exactly. Checkbox. He convinced three people to give up a fire token each. So, mm. not a huge move, but an outwit move. Yeah. If you borrowed something from me and never pay me back, I'd be pissed. So. <laughs> so we don't know he didn't pay him back yet. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying. Because they didn't cover that. But if my goal was to slyly convince you to let me borrow something <laughs> then that's a different discussion <laughs> oh so winning his way into the immunity challenge with those fire tokens he won a balanced uh, totem on the end of a stick 
<laughs> challenge. Balancing yourself on a balance beam. Right. That lasted for a while. And all of a sudden found himself, I would say drunk with power, but he operated pretty soberly through the whole operation and got done what he needed to done needed to do. But the necklace clearly gave him the confidence he needed to make a move like he did because it was set up in such a way where the power five from last week of the remaining nine of Tony, Sarah, Sophie, Ben, and Nick were still lined up against Kim, Denise, Jeremy, and Michelle and still could have taken out Jeremy just like they planned. But Kim and Denise, realizing that there was nothing they could really do because they were the two people in that minority alliance who were reading that Tony was playing double agent. So they went to the other side, which all of a sudden gave Sophie and crew the overconfidence to try to split the vote, which I guess always sort of makes sense, but always seems way too risky to me to try because you open yourself up to one person, which in a game that has Tony in it is dangerous one person deciding to just go over to the few people on the minority side and take anyone out that they want. And that's what he wound up doing. Successfully. Wikipedia shows who voted for who. I don't know where they get that. Do they get that off of... uh... They put up a little video every week, typically. So we had three votes for Jeremy, two votes for Michelle, and then the four that sent Sophie home. Right. What I was going to say, though, is I, I noticed... Oh, there we go. How about that? We're watching YouTube while we're podcasting, for those of you who can't <laughs> see what's going on right now. Sarah voted Michelle. Kim, Kim voted, voted Michelle, Michelle. Ben voted Jeremy. Still gunning for Sophie him. voted Jeremy. Denise voted Jeremy. So that's the split. So that's interesting and because then, Kim and Denise did not vote together. And then Nick, Tony, Michelle... And Jeremy voted Sophie for four. So they they did vote together, though, in the sense that those five decided to To split split the vote 3-2 because they thought Tony and Nick were with them to make it 4-3, and they were not. But looking back at when Jeff was reading the votes, Jeremy kept going and looking over at Ben, and I'm like, why is he doing that? And and now I can see, because Ben voted for him, that... (laughs) He's egging him on, and I guess he knows Ben doesn't like him and is going to vote for him. I don't, I don't. I didn't realize that. I guess I missed the because they were talking to each other as though yeah it could go. I think way. Jeremy knew what was coming, and it's interesting the way that they framed it because it looked like Jeremy wasn't gonna come through all of a sudden. Tony was in confessional saying, "I'm trying to convince him to save himself, and he won't listen." But obviously, he had a bad feeling and wound up knowing what the right thing to do was because of the context of what's happened to him so far this season, I think. And I think um, Sophie said something in her post-interview, how she had that gut instinct and she should have gone with it and she didn't because she wasn't really sure what it was like to have been in that position before since she's won Yeah, she said season. something interesting in that video on the Survivor Instagram about not being voted out made her feel like, huh, this is just a weird day. Something just feels weird. Rather than being like, oh, this is the weird day. Like, something's wrong. Something's wrong, <laughs> yeah. And it even showed at the end when she didn't know to grab the torch, she didn't know which direction to walk, she didn't know how to get the torch in front of Jeff to be snuffed out. It was clear she hadn't. Yeah, she had an idol. 
back it's now back into play. We'll see if anybody finds it quickly next week. But it was a quick downfall for someone who I felt like was playing really well for a long while. So Sophie was having a good run. We yeah, didn't I feel like a lot against her yet. Not at she all. Was very subtle of the first few weeks. She's pretty much leading all of the votes. Last week, she went so far as to stand up and say, all right, everyone who's with me, let's go decide who's going home. That was pretty bold. <laughs> and you have to wonder if maybe that's part of why Tony wound up targeting her. Because there was a lot of talk in this episode about the difference between building a resume and being too threatening. And it's a really hard thing to balance in all Survivor seasons of late. And it winds up leading to people having to play really quiet for a really long time in order to, like, have a chance to win. (laughs) And I think the other thing they talked about at Tribal Council, quite a few of them said that it was a very quiet day at camp. And, like, we go back to the having all one, at least... um, you know, the one time they played or been called back because they've been winners. When, like, Jeremy knew last week to walk away. When they know if they're being quiet, if they're not being talked to, that something's up. So when you have a bunch of winners playing and a bunch of these different successful strategies going, you have to think, I need to make sure that it's not my night. I found it pretty surprising in the lead-up over the last few weeks that things would be that clear-cut, that it would be among this group five people who are just making all the decisions. It just doesn't feel like what would happen, and that obviously pretty quickly turned on its head. I, I feel like Survivor is just a game of momentum in that way sometimes, where as soon as everything slows down enough for people to realize that it's a quiet day at camp and nothing's happening, then... They're just like, oh, well, something has to change. (laughs) Or something big is happening and I'm not part of it. Yeah. And typically something big will then happen. And, you know, as viewers, it's no fun if nothing big happens. So we'll we'll take it. I don't think we've had a predictable episode yet. Yeah, it's almost a joke now. The first thing that they show after the immunity challenge is always like, it's this person, obviously. Uh, we've all decided there's no one else it could possibly be, and it's going to be them. And then, like, ten minutes later, you're like, it could be five other people. <laughs> and they're, they've gotten pretty good at doing that, and in this season, it's believable. Yeah, I think the editing's come a long way, because we used to be able to predict by the music, by the editing. By listening to your show. <laughs> what's going to happen. <laughs> they've obviously made it a lot easier for themselves when it comes to editing and storytelling when you don't have to spend half the season trying to deal with like a predator being on the island as well so like (laughs) it's helpful in that sense that they can just focus on the things people like about survivor so did anything else jump out to you guys from this episode or from the season so far as we uh head towards the home stretch of season 40s 40 seasons I saw a commercial yesterday that Law & Order SVU is in its 21st season. It just sounds crazy. Well, well, let me ask you. 21 seasons for Law & Order SVU. Well, it's is probably like a million episodes. Years? But is that, is that 21 years or is that like Survivor? It's probably... 11 and a half years. It's probably about the same years. amount of years because typically... A season of that is from like September to May. Law & Order SVU is still on. Where Survivor has two seasons per year. 
Yeah, for 21 years. SVU started so, in 99. So they only do one season a year. Whereas Survivor does two seasons a year. So, so going back, I remember when Dad and I first watched season number one. And basically the way to win then was just to have an alliance and stick with your alliance. <laughs> I can't say that I can name an alliance in this season. Oh, yet. no. Oh, no. I think it changes weekly. Yeah. That's what's cool about having all the ex-champions. I also, you know, two million bucks, a lot of money. That is a true I mean, fact. A million we, bucks is a lot of money, but two million is twice as much. So here's an idea. Is the winner going to get two million or is someone from Edge and the winner going to get a million each? I think the Have winner gets two million, that? didn't they say? Wait, I thought, what do you mean? I don't know. <laughs> I thought the she's winner just, gets two she's million. changing the rules. <laughs> two million dollar prize. Yeah, it's... The winner will receive two million dollars. Okay. I just looked it up. There have been 477 episodes of Law & Order SVU, so Survivor's got a long way to go, I, I would Episode-wise. say. Episode-wise. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's not the show it started out as, but it's it's all. still entertaining in, in a much different way now. And Jeff is right. They have to do things, switch it up every season to keep it going. Um, some things work, some things don't. We've seen it over the years. And you could even tell, like last week on the family episode, when they brought the kids out, he was talking to them as future survivors. So Jeff has no plans on letting this end in the near future. What if we just have Jeff go host Jeopardy and Trebek go host Survivor? See how that goes. <laughs> That could I don't be know fun. If that would be Alex Trebek's thing. <laughs> we'll pull and put in a plug for Amazing Race. I saw an ad for that starting really soon. We like that show too. Yeah, that was one of the last few reality shows I believe that was filmed before most of Hollywood production was shut down. Especially considering it's a show where they travel around the world in like thirty days. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's probably a good and one. And a couple too. of these winners have been on that show. Mm-hmm. Natalie, Rob, Robin Amber. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, Natalie and her sister. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a plug for that once this is over. But before this podcast is over, did you guys put together some power rankings? I did not, but I will. <laughs> I can pause for a second. <laughs> My number three for this week is Ben. I talked earlier about him being a little bit abrasive this season, but there has been a nice arc of him being manhandled by Robin like the first episode. And now finding himself settling into a pretty good alliance that has carried him a long ways. I don't know that Tony's move actually upsets it that much. I mean, we'll find out. But it feels like he still could have a strong group and he's played a good enough social game to have good footing. And now he's in the part of the game, which I was reminded of in the last couple weeks, that he dominates anyway, which is just winning immunity challenges. So... Um, Has he won any yet? No, but he's been, like, towards the last couple people in all of them. I just keep seeing him and thinking... And that's how he won. His first season was winning five immunity challenges in a row at the end. What's funny, though, is that tells you how bad the people on his season were at at, uh, immunity challenges, I guess, because he's not dominating like he did there. Uh, Anyway, that's your number three. Yep. Donna, be ready. Yep. I'm going to go with Kim as my number three. I feel like she's been strong but steady so far the whole season. I 
don't recall if she's been voted for at all yet. I don't feel like she has. She has been voted for once. Once, okay. In episode four. Um, and the fact that she is not being fooled by Tony and knew that he was pulling the double agent and is still got a little bit of an alliance with Denise, I think I'm going to keep her at number three. My number three is Sarah. There you have it. <laughs> Good I reason. think she's a strong player and she can win challenges and running out of episodes... I think she's, she'll be good. I also have Kim in my top three. I put her at number two. I think her and Denise jumped ship at the right time. It just got interrupted by Tony. <laughs> and I think people have talked highly of her enough throughout this season that she's in a good position to make moves. And she's really been under the radar for a while. And, you know, she won this game too. So I am interested to see what she does down the stretch. My number two, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Sarah because she, like I pointed out earlier, she's working on her subtle social game right now, um, thinking about the jury. So if she does make it to the final three, she has people that will vote for her while she's at the end. And I also feel like she does a good job of thinking clearly and not letting like Tony fool her in any way, even though they've been on one season or two seasons together. At least one. I think two. I'd have to check. I feel like it might be two. Um, so I think I'm going to give number two to Sarah. Yeah, very calm and confident player. My number two, <sighs> I'm going to go with Jeremy. Again, I think challenges he could win and, uh, he, he he didn't get voted out this week, so that might help him survive, you know, a little longer. But anyway, I like him. You guys are welcome to disagree, but I can't imagine why anyone but Tony would be number one in this particular week. <laughs> and we've talked a lot about it throughout the episode. I don't even have that much to add. No, I agree. I have Tony as my number one, because if you're thinking episode, he had a lot of things going on this episode that give him the highlight. I mean, it was the Tony show. We saw his searching for the idol. We saw him convince people to give him tokens. We saw him win immunity. And we saw side. him top it off with a blind side. So. You could almost make an argument that's the greatest single episode anyone's ever had. <laughs> to do all four of those things in one episode. It's crazy. I'll give him credit for that. Um, but am I allowed to, like... Make someone number one from Extinction Island? I can't say Ty hasn't done that before. Oh, he has with Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> or, or are we going to predict who we think's going to make it just in case they do it next week? Yeah, I mean, you, you can okay. make that your reasoning for number right. one. Well, my reasoning is I, I, I wish it were par poverty, but it's going to be Natalie, I think, with all the fire tokens and her ability to compete in a challenge. I'm saying she's ripped. I think she may end up with a, a um, advantage in the challenge that'll help her win, and then she'll be back on. And wow, talk about you're out, out, knocked out in the first episode, and then you're back in this thing. Uh, I don't know if that would help her win, but makes her my number one for this week. Yeah, she seems like he, hands down the favorite athletically of that group maybe Tyson or well Tyson beat her out at that first return yeah 
Was it really the peanut butter that got it, or is no. he that much stronger? Because he doesn't look like that. Is he out of peanut butter? I don't know. They haven't showed it. When they he left, did he store it somewhere? Jar either. <laughs> Though she thought she was getting a bottle of wine to go with that peanut butter at first. I think the thing we've learned repeatedly throughout this season is that when you bring on this many people like this, all winners, every episode should just be two hours long. Oh yes. Especially when you're quarantined. Yes. (laughs) If only they knew. They could have prepared us. uh, They could have prepared the show a little better for the reality of the planet. But luckily we get to escape to the alternate universe that is Survivor every single week. We will have a few more chances to do so for now. That's all we got for Survivor Season 40, week number 11, Winners at War. Do you guys have anything else you want to add? Here on the island. Bye. Thanks for having us on the Bye. island. <laughs> and looking forward to how this season ends up. Like your haircut. Oh, thanks. My mom did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Shout out to Ernest. <laughs> Shout out, Ernest. I'm not good at making these things up as well. <laughs> that is uh, again.